Once again, this was made possible in conjunction with our amazing sponsors, Rugged Roots, Cure Cannabis Co., The Heady Yeti, Tastefully Baked, The Shack 420, Humble Family Farms, Cannamelts, Salty Cultivation, The North Fire, Highbrow, Team Green, Seaworks & Company, Fade Space, Zero Gravity Extracts, Wisely Cannabis, and Stoner & Co. For more information on how you can support those who support us, please visit our website, www.mainpodcast.com. That's mainpodcast.com. And click the Sponsors tab. How'd you feel about making that um, the post, the, um, the Instagram post a couple weeks back? Uh, I don't typically put myself out there. You don't, like, do you? I think it was format. one of the first times I had seen... Yeah, um, I've been very, very active uh, with medical and a little bit with adult use cannabis, you know, in Augusta over the years, but never like on the, you know, Instagram, social media space. Yeah. But for me, it's just like it was time to jump out of my comfort zone a little bit just to get more information out there. And um, so, yeah, it seemed to work out good. You must have got a lot of good feedback. Yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of and people started a trend too. There were some other people who came out who I hadn't seen in a while. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah, totally. And that was kind of the idea is just like to get people rallied up and moment of uni- uniting. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, that was a lot of that week, you know, aside from that video kind of behind the scenes, what I was doing is just trying to unite, you know, business owners, the different trade groups, you know, as best as possible because if we're all fractured and separated and we all have varying opinions it's going to be difficult to fight omp on these issues and Mm. you know not to say that people shouldn't have varying opinions but i think on the major issues everybody's pretty in agreement about it um same ideologies from most yeah you know most of the major trade groups that represent caregivers and small businesses in maine are on the same page on the major issues um so yeah it's it's you know do you think that I, me and Carrie have have this conversation a lot and I feel like the water becomes really murky and it's hard for us to unify because everyone gets really reactionary and emotional when stuff like this happens and we're very, very quick to point fingers at people. And it seems like that's almost the exact method of divide and conquer. Like that's the exact way of how like, you know, big corporations work and big entities work. Big government is like trying to divide the people and then they sneak in these other things behind them. And so I just don't know if like, I, I get there's differing opinions, but I do think some approaches do nothing but harm what's really trying to be like, what's really trying to happen because, you know, calling things out on speculation, calling people on speculation, I don't know if that does anything to me. It's like, it seems like it lacks substance and it really just takes us 10 steps back overall. Yeah, totally. Uh, I had a lot of people reaching out to me, kind of looking for me to rat out, you know, companies that were on the wrong side of this argument and, I don't want to get caught up in that because, you know, like you said, some of it is hearsay. Mm. Um, and I will say there is a lot of substantial information that some companies that, you know, people view as being on the right side of this thing are not on the side they think they're on. Right. Um, you know, again, I won't, I'm not going to be the guy that, that goes down that road. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but that is part of it. You know, there are companies who are misrepresenting what they're standing for behind closed doors. Um, and I, I think that's a minor group of people though. It's not, you know, it's, it's mostly the big players that you think that it is, mm-hmm. you know, acreage holdings and care Leaf and sure. you know, whoever else, you know, some of these other large companies, Cresco labs, Certera, 
uh, TrueLeave, you know, these big multi-state operators that aren't in Maine yet, I mean, they could be paying lobbyists here too mm -hmm. um, because they have designs on moving into Maine. I think fortunately our economy is small enough and our median income is low enough that we're not the biggest target for multi-state operators. Right, like Mass or something like that. Right, Mass, Florida, New Jersey, you know, some of these bigger markets that are coming yeah. online. Yeah, exactly. Those are a lot more uh, lucrative. Does it make us a little bit more attractive though for those who have never tried it before and they've seen what has happened or occurred in other states when they come in a as an adult use provider and they think, well, Maine's got, uh, Hey, this is the next boom spot. This is where we can get in with total disregard for the medical program. they they had the, their incentives were already from the get go, get a lot of investors together or, or maybe not, maybe it's one or two and push it forward from there without identifying at all with the people or the places. Uh, that can still happen and not be an acreage holdings or... Well, or, and I think you see that yeah. with Theory Wellness. You know, they, to my knowledge, Maine's their second state. So they are now a multi-state operator. But I believe they were strictly a Massachusetts cannabis company prior to moving up here. Hmm. Um, and, you know, you're seeing all the same problems with them where the CEOs in the Portland Press Herald saying, well, we'll use our profits in Massachusetts to undermine cannabis business in Maine. We'll, we'll operate at a loss in Maine until we put people out of business. Um, you know, so it's a little bit federally illegal, but whatever we, I guess that's another <laughs> argument. Yeah. Hey, can I ask, uh, um, getting back to for a moment on say when people were asking for, you know, are they on our side or are they against us? Were there different types of, it felt like what I was seeing is criteria people were putting out there is, well, if you're jumping into adult use, you're not with us. Hey, even though you might come from Maine. And that's false. So it is. I'll, I'll tell you where I draw the line, and I think it makes it very clear. You're either in support of a free, open, and fairly regulated cannabis market, or you're not. So regardless of whether you're in adult use, whether you're from Maine, whether, you know, why, if you came to Maine just to run your cannabis business, if you stand for what's right and that somebody who's acreage holdings or somebody who is mom and pop with $5,000 to start their business in their basement. If you believe all both those people should have the same chance at success, then you're on one side. And if you're somebody who thinks that regulating the competition out of the market is the answer, then you're on the other side. Um, and so that's, for me, that's what where the line is drawn. No, I, I got that from, from the video too. Is it, I think that's the problem too, is people don't realize what the true argument is, is it really is against regulation. It's not so much against uh, against out of state or, or big business. A lot of these people that you talk to believe in, like you said, free competition, what they want it to be or a free marketplace, but that means it has to be a free marketplace. It can't be one with smoke and mirrors saying, oh yes, you. but to do it, you just have to have an a crazy amount of capital. You know, well, that's not really free, you know, if you think about it, because now you're really just favoring a an already a, a proportion of the of the group that's advantaged to succeed. So I mean, it, it is hard. I think that a lot of people think that the fight is just against people from out of state investing in the main cannabis industry, and that's not true. Yeah, and I, I think you know the adult use law is just absolutely horrific here in Maine. You know, there's just it's just rot with overregulation, and a lot of the way the people of Maine who were opponents of those rules were sold on this set of rules was a promise of a residency requirement. Mm -hmm. But really, I mean, the, the lobbyists with acreage knew exactly what they were doing when that negotiation was made. 
that they were going to eventually challenge the residency requirement. And it was said, you know, okay, we'll give you the residency requirement, but these are all the rules that we want to have. Um, and the problem with all these rules is that it's always done under the guise of this is for public and patient safety. Uh, this is, you know, they've always got some good reason. Such a broad term. Right, yeah. exactly. And, and honestly, none of these rules that they've proposed are proven to increase safety, to mm -hmm. increase compliance, to increase people paying their taxes. You know, that's always the big one with like seed to sale tracking. It's yeah. like, well, we're going to stop black market diversion and we're going to make sure that people pay their taxes. Well, there's no actual proof that that happens. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's breaking the law and diverting their cannabis or avoiding taxes, them manipulating the information in the seed to sale tracking system is just one more law that they've broken in a string of broken laws. Yeah. So those same people are still going to break the law. Yeah. There's oh, offenders sense. will be offenders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the bad you, apples will always be the bad apples. Exactly. And you, you take a compliant business, like most of the businesses here in Maine, we're paying our taxes. We're paying our employment taxes. We're doing all the little things that, you know, basically, the lobbyists over the years have always said, like, these guys aren't compliant. These guys don't pay their taxes. They don't do this. They don't do that. Well, you know, we've now proven with the $266 million in, in sales in 2020 that we are, in fact, reporting and paying our taxes. So, yeah. yeah, that's quite a substantial dollar amount. There aren't any in other industries that were quite touting, touting like cannabis did last year. Right. And, you know, Right now, medical is d generating about 10 times the taxes per month that adult use is generating. And they hate that. You know, they hate, the OMP absolutely hates to think that, you know, adult use is a failed project. And, you know, that we've always known they would come for medical because their, their programs had problems right from the jump. So their solution is rather than look at, okay, well, what's working with medical? How do we adjust adult use to be more like medical? so that this works. No, the idea is we're going to take these terrible rules of adult use and make medical adhere to them too. And then the program sucks for everyone in the playing field's level. It's yep. like, no, nobody asked for that. No, not <clears throat> at all. Not at all. And, and I think it comes, I don't think these big companies can compete with the smaller mom and pop company. It just doesn't happen in Maine and it's frustrating for them. And how do you win when really no one wants you to win. You got to change the rules, I think, to benefit yourself. And that's what they're doing. It's just no one wants that weed in Maine. It is not, there's no issues. There's not like Mainers have this belief of, oh, they're a bad company. It's really just because most of the time the products they're offering are freaking garbage. And they end up going to someone else that's actually, actually offering a product that's worthwhile. It's the same difference to why people go to their favorite restaurant in town versus McDonald's. And that's always going to be the same. So I think even with regulation, it sucks. But you're still going to find the local main people that survive and believe in good cannabis are always going to do better than these theories, these, you know, cure reliefs. It's just never going to work out for them. Unfortunately, they're always going to be the McDonald's. Yeah. Like people don't buy that corporate vibe when it comes to cannabis, you nope. know, people in this generation started out smoking, buying off a, their dealer, you know? Mm -hmm. So to like all of a sudden switch over to this ultra corporate, you know, vibe type place where, you know, people aren't, they're not even focused on strain names. It's like, oh, this is uplifting or this is for sleep. It's like, no, like, is it OG Kush or is it, you know, <laughs> you know, super lemon haze? Like, what's the deal, you know? And yeah, these corporate people just don't get it. You know, they've got, you know, corporate marketing guys. They're not weed people. They don't, you know. There's that clinical feel though. There's some people who do like that. They're like, they're so attracted to it. They feel like uh, if it feels like a medical office, that's what they're, where their comfort zone is. 
where I've noticed with, you can have that combination. You can have personality, you can have character, you can have a little bit of like who you are, your brand, your people, and the quality that can be expected by it. Recently, it was brought up, I was just talking to uh, Alex Hutton, Hetty Teddy, and uh, they're going to do away with the bear. He uh, will no longer be able to include that, of course. We, I think, saw these type of changes logo-wise that were going to have to occur and to be more in compliance. Uh, it's just another way of impacting where they don't want you to have that identity, that relatability, that, that bond with the consumer. Well, look what like they, everybody yeah. tries to create, uh, is it not? Look and what they I, did at the hockey rink, Kerry. With the, they did the same thing with the logos. They made all the cannabis, they persecuted the cannabis logos that were splattered up at the hockey rink, but yet right next to them were Bud Light, Miller Light, and all these other companies that weren't even local. And it just shows you, I think, sometimes the attitude towards it. Yeah, I mean, the, just that human uh, animal and fruit thing, I've, I've got, I take particular issue with that. You know, I don't think that that is accurate. Um, you know, with the whole thing with seaweed that's going on right yeah, now, like yep. questioning the, the mermaid, you know, and, and, and it, a mermaid's not a human or an animal, you know, mm -hmm. you can say it's 50, 50, you know, some people would argue it's a mythical creature. Like, where do you draw the line? You know, if I put a dragon, is a dragon an animal? Cause I don't think a dragon is an animal. You Never know? existed as far as I know, you know, until game of Thrones. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, with, the, with Teddy and the bear thing, um, you know, we have a logo, it's not our primary logo, but you know, we call it Bridget the bear. And it's just, we use it on sweatshirts and, you know, and I saw it in yeah, the, right. the notice that OMP sent to, to seaweed, they said, you know, originally it said, well, you can't have this mermaid on your packaging or your labeling. Then they went as far to say, you can't have it in your advertising. You can't have it on your website and you can't have it on your merchandise. Mm -hmm. I mean, since when does OMP tell me what I can print on a t-shirt? Mm -hmm. You know, that, just, right. that doesn't make any that's sense. That's blatant overstepping of their boundaries right there. And you know what does exist in Maine? Black Bear Brewing. But, you know, so I can't, I have a company, Black Bear Genetics, what we do our breeding with. Okay. So I can't be Black Bear Genetics, but they can be Black Bear Brewing. You know, that what, that doesn't make any sense at all. Mm. So, it is all set for the for the takeover. It is. And, and, you know, the, that's another thing, a, a, a narrative that I'm always promoting mm -hmm. is like, why is cannabis regulated more than alcohol? For you know, any, what, yeah. what has cannabis ever killed somebody? No. You know, alcohol you have any speculation yes, on it? multiple times too. I mean, God. I mean, alcohol kills absurd amounts of people. Yeah, like I was it's saying before, disease. you know, Liver I mean, disease. Uh, tolerance oh. levels of what people are so comfortable with. Alcohol is so much worse, and it, and it's it not why violent, I got out of that industry, know. but it became less attractive too. But I mean, you, know, you almost I, have to think that with everything going on and data that's been shown. I think that there's been a there's a transition of when you have a marijuana market that alcohol sales drop. I remember seeing it somewhere. I can't really be quoted on it, but that makes me think someone asked in this conversation, what's the motive? And maybe the motive is they have lobbyists too, and they know the data and they know what can happen when cannabis gets out there. That there are I don't really drink as much as I used to from smoking more cannabis, you know. So obviously I've, there's a, other, there's more stories behind that too, like anyone, but there's different vices for other people, and I think a lot of people turn to alcohol because it's legal. It's easily accessible, and you can do it in a social manner. Now, cannabis is going to be the same thing, and it's going to be battling for the top spot. And we've seen that, you know, over the years. We kind of know now who the big enemies of cannabis are. Mm -hmm. You know, the... Pharmaceutical companies. The alcohol industry, the alcohol. tobacco industry. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even like, you know, people concerned with hemp, you know, the paper industries and, and all these sort of things. And it's like, 
that's kind of what our country is today with, with lobbyists and, you know, kind of controlling the narrative with politicians. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not an open flowing conversation of like, how can cannabis help? It's like, Oh, cannabis hurts our bottom line. So it's no good. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like that whole marijuana mania thing from, you know, yeah. back Harry Anslinger, early 1900s. Like we're still kind of riding. It doesn't feel like we've progressed that far. No, we're not still riding. You know, with politics, we're still riding that wave of like fear and, you know, and it doesn't help when you have big alcohol, big pharma in their ear and, and donating to their campaign saying, you know, cannabis bad. <laughs> hmm. So it, it would be stagnating to the main economy in so many different ways from tradesmen to, to cannabis employers and employees, we'd take a severe hit with an, without an existing medical program. If they're going to make it so hard to play that you guys all decide can't do this, can't, can't run, can't operate. If these are going to be the guidelines as the guidelines came out recently, that's what percentage, if you could just speculate, if you want, how many people feel threatened? Like if this goes through, I don't know if I'm going to stay in or I don't know what I'm going to do. Has, uh, has there seen, been that kind of talk? I've seen Dawson at, at a main cannabis coalition throw a number out there of 80%. 80%. Um, it would be hard for me to attach a number on it, but you know, sure. you, you have companies like, like mine, for example, who have kind of been expecting things like this. Mm -hmm. And so we're being, we're preparing more and more for it every year. You know, if seed to sale track. Yet continually expanding out or the hope to. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I, you know, it's, it's not that I agree with the regulation, but as a responsible business owner, I have to prepare our company for the future. <laughs> yep. So just things like seed to sale tracking, you know, we're ready to go on seed to sale tracking. We're already using all the softwares. All we have to do is flip a button on and turn the integration on. Mm -hmm. So are we ready? Yeah. But, you know, like with the security mandate, you know, they want to have a camera up every square inch of your facility. I have a facility at a warehouse grow that I've had for seven years. I've got three years left on my lease. So if they enact that, I have to put $100,000 into security updates in that building or I can't finish out the last three years of my lease. I mean, it's just insane. I mean, how do you not have any provisions for facilities that have been existing for five, 10 years? You know, it, it just doesn't yeah, make any right, sense. Where it was always fine to deal with and, and there were no issues, no problems from that point. Is it because uh, some of the members of the, the inspection crews are uh, ex-law enforcement and kind of troubleshooting angles about where problems could exist within grows? Are they always speculating that everybody's using the black market or- Well, or because they, that that's that what, you what know- they're trying to protect against? That's what your Dan Walkers and Hannah Kings and the lobbyists for these big companies, that is what they've been openly promoting since the very beginning. I mean, I'm telling you, I've heard it with my own ears in the public meetings mm -hmm. and a lot of, you know, friends, colleagues, peers that I know that have been in these behind the scenes meetings. Um, that's what they've been pushing the entire time is that the, the care caregivers are criminals. Um, they're underregulated. They don't pay their taxes and all these different storylines. And, and they've gotten a lot of politicians to believe them. But I mean, and I'm not trying to, I've had this, I've had this debate with Carrie too. I do, and I gotta, I, like, this might be a part that's edited out because you gotta tiptoe around the subject, but I understand that viewpoint to an nth degree because I do think, and it goes back to the bad apples comment that we kind of made, they, it's, it's always like that in life. They use a small group to kind of project on everyone, but there are a lot of cannabis businesses that have used that to obviously gain capital. That's neither here nor there, but then I think that there's some things that happen on the side that 
businesses keep doing and that we've seen. And these are ones that are supposed to be having all their I's dotted and T's crossed. And they still are doing some things that might not be considered necessarily legal. And so do they keep feeding that fire? And is a sense in people's own greed what really is, – is that going to be the ultimate demise? Because is this a time where all the caregivers need to say, listen – we got to put ourselves above the profit and individual profits right now. Stop pushing the five to tens on the side. Just keep it. Struggle with it. Throw it away if it's not for the regular market because it's just not something that can happen because these arguments are always going to be used regardless if it's 50% of the caregivers doing it, 25% or 5% of them. They're going to use it and it's just going to soil it for the rest of everyone else trying to play legally. Agreed. And um, before LD 1539 went into effect December 2018, I think you had a lot more people playing in that gray market, the black market, because the rules just weren't set up to be a successful business. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you didn't take your time and grow over time and make sure you had your patient base to move your product, you know, you, there were so many guys. It, it was like word got out that Maine was the place to come and start a new cannabis business with low barriers of entry. Because all of a sudden, these guys from out of state, New England, New York, you know, wherever are showing up to build these warehouse grows. And then they have no idea where the where their cannabis is going to go. So it's right onto the black market or they're severely undercutting the market price. You know, the wholesale price of cannabis got really, really low there for a while yeah. uh, a few yeah, years ago. Um I think today what you see is most caregivers in compliance because with now the we have, you know, 250 or so stores throughout the state, there is a legal outlet for people to sell their products. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely don't doubt that there are still a number of people that are using a caregiver license to just operate in the black market entirely. And that isn't a good look on the industry. No, it's not. <clears throat> no, but I don't know if you necessarily want to out people for that practice either. No, do, do no, you, man? It's, no, it's not, it's not, and that's yeah. not what I'm getting at by either either method. I just think trying to understand the full context of it. I don't think anyone should be outing. And that's not that's not what we all got into. We still need to have the same principles and values that we started out with. But I can see the argument from the other side, and it's almost like fall back. You know, if you do, if you want to be black market, then maybe it's your time to really be black market and stop using the medical program as as a cover. Oh, exactly. Definitely. You know, but the problem is these guys want to be in commercial facilities that are that are licensed with the local municipality and like, right. You know, uh, yeah, no. And that's actually a provision in the proposed medical rules. There's like three different statutes that say, you know, you have to rat out somebody who's noncompliant. <laughs> so <laughs> I, do, you, do you guys want to go through a couple of the statutes? That's, uh, so I'm going to give a shout out to CCM underscore Maine, Maine-based agency existing solely for the purpose of educating patients and referring them to licensed caregivers because I'm going to use a couple things that they pulled out from the legislation that just stood out to them and clearly some other people because there was a good amount of comments on it. Did you want to talk about a couple of those uh, these items? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Great. yeah Great. please do. And okay. I, I didn't bring my notes on the rules, but I could pull them out as well. And okay. yeah, well, and we could take a break. I, I remember just seeing some of them and I thought if we could just get into a discussion of it because these seemed like ones that were relatively easy for... And we do want to talk about you and your visits, of, yeah, course. of course. But, yeah. but, this, is, but this is a good of the moment. This is to. the most important thing going on thank right you. now. Appreciate my business that. is sweet, but it's not... Your gear is looking great, dude. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's, it. it's really, you know, we're having a really good time with it, but all my focus right now is on this. And fortunately I, I have a good team 
yeah. uh, now after doing this for nine years that, you know, helps me run my business um, so that I can go and focus on saving our program. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I shout out to hate on it. I believe he works for you guys at the house of hash. He's come in. Uh, he, Love he that drives, guy. Drives a red Durango. Yeah. Yeah. Robbie. Hate yes. him. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, Robbie's cool shit. He's, he's a, a really good kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really loves cannabis. Really loves the whole scene. You know, I'm sure he loves up here, like all the clothes. And, oh yeah. No, yeah. He's, he's no, a really cool guy. And, and talk to him. It was good conversation. He's a bud tender. And so we have pre previous experience. We were going to talk all about different strains and getting into concentrates and so at some point we hope to have him on as part of a bud tender series oh very cool so i'm sure he'd love we that. will he's definitely on that list the very short list to start very cool very yeah. cool so the comment was i found this a doozy on page 47 of the new draft rules there are 81 pages sit through da, 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 da. but this one said it was uh okay so it was l sell any item not allowed under this rule or any of the following items pet or animal food treats or other pet or animal products containing marijuana injectable marijuana or any other marijuana products not meant for human consumption or use so i think they were using this as a way to speak to like how disconnected uh like it was from reality like injectable marijuana right you know? right like has, has that ever been a thing because <laughs> not uh, that i've seen no i'm not familiar with what's synthetic marijuana like how's that is that a pill yeah that's yeah, a pill. Mar marinol, okay. And that know, still yeah. wouldn't be injectable, though. That'd be ingestible. Correct. So they are literally thinking of it as like an... <laughs> we just had the conversation, me and you care, about how some people like really think that you know cannabis still is like is, is on the same scale as heroin. You know, and, and to, into some federal judge's eyes, we were talking about the disconnect. And Weird. this just goes further, too, about how there is some real disconnect. Well, and you guys might have seen recently, um, just in the last, I don't know, week or so, uh, the medical marijuana program was moved uh, from having legislative oversight by the Health and Human Services Committee to now the VLA committee. Like yes. Veterans and veteran foreign, I don't even know what it was. Yeah. yeah. Better, legal. Uh, legal uh, veterans and legal affairs. Yeah. yeah. Veterans um, legal affairs. And, and that's a problem because of the type of people that populate that, that board versus HHS. Um, you know, your HHS people are more health minded. Um, you know, and just the track record of both of those uh, um, groups is just, you know, the VLA. It's not a good sign. No, no. Moving it's, us it, like this. No, it's not. Um, and unfortunately, it's like not. they're abandoning the medical program with that stuff. That's what that feels like. And it's me. not up to HHS. You know, it wasn't. No, sure, sure. Not the departments. It's really the administration. Taken out of their hand. Exactly. Administration well, we, being legislation or, or governor. Or, yeah. Go governor's governor. Governor. Yeah. And that's what, and we, we did. We reached out to, to Janet Mills, Carrie sent her an email today. We reached out to former Governor Paula Page. We're pretty sure we're going to be able to get on. Um, and we've reached out to a couple other of them, hoping to be able to get them either on for a small Zoom segment or phone call to try to explain some of this. Because it, it does seem like there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. And it's, it almost seems perfect timing for everything. Like there's so much shit going on that they can just use excuses of we're busy with other stuff to really not have to clarify their position on things. You know, and everyone else seems to be over concerned with something else with either COVID or the election and stuff like this. And it, it, I don't know, the timing seems awfully weird. You know, mm -hmm. all of this is conglomerating at one point. Like everything's happening right now. So, you know, and like, I think, have you guys had Eric Gunderson on the show? No, we haven't. He, he might be a good, good one to have on. If to reach would, out to. I would imagine he'd be willing to, um, it'd be kind of 
uh, in poor taste not to accept the invitation, I think, right. as, as the head of the Office of Marijuana Policy. He also was a comedian at one point in life. He was, yeah. Some of those videos have been circulating <laughs> with the community recently. Um, He's still a comedian now. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you had to go him, there, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> he seems like a great guy in meeting him, but uh, part of my concern is with him is that He's okay putting on that that great um, you know guy attitude at a caregiver function, and then also going to have some you know behind closed doors meetings with with uh, big dispensary lobbyists you know mm-hmm. in the next moment. So yeah. um, I've got my concerns, but a, a quote that I saw in the Portland Press Herald uh, that that was from him um, when he was asked if it was, if these rules were meant to make the medical program more like the adult use program, he said, some of the stuff that may mirror the adult use is really rooted in national best practices and policies aimed at public health and safety and bringing the much needed transparency and accountability to the medical program. But in no way, shape or means are we trying to essentially photocopy the adult use into the medical program. There's that entire statement is false. Um, You know, none of this stuff is rooted in national back it's none of it's rooted in national best practice and policies what it is is the same consultants have written these rules in every state you know there's there's not it's not that the best practices have been analyzed Mm -hmm. um they're just hiring the same consultants you know the the consultant that maine hired to is a colorado-based consultant that's written rules in other states you know they are absolutely not best practices um and, and then if anything, you know, they've been proven not to not work. for the they've preservation. Been, no, not for preservation. No. Not for uh, a safe access for patients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and transparency and accountability. There's plenty of transparency and accountability. You know, they're discounting the fact that as a business, as any business, you have to keep transactional level data for seven years. You can't just be doing transactions and have no data. You don't need a seed to sale tracking system to be a legal business, you mm-hmm. know, and they're completely discounted the fact that that data exists for any legitimate business. You file your sales taxes every month, you know, you have receipts that back up that data, uh, you know, and they just want to act like, Oh, you know, again, you know, caregivers, they're just so non-compliant. So, yeah, we're going to ask you to do a, a, you know, maybe a a couple dozen different things uh, or maybe three or, you know, three or four dozen type of different things that are over-regulation situations, points and issues for operations management. I mean, it just doesn't make it cost effective whatsoever. And it also really... I believe there are some laws and issues that have been brought up that are really kind of preventing somebody on a, who would like to get into it, say an eight light situation. How could they ever feel like they could make that investment at this point? Exactly. And that's my thing. Like I want to see the new eight light guys come on the scene. Yeah. You know, we buy rosin from a lot of companies that aren't huge. Mm-hmm. You know, they wash their whole crop into rosin. It's great rosin. Our customers love it. Mm-hmm. And that's who I worry about more is it's like some of these companies we do business with or, or you know, friends of mine or whatever, you know, these guys are going to get squeezed out. Yeah. And, you know, that's not good for anybody. No, there'd be no room for what, where would the second generation of growers or, or, or for this new market, where would they ever come? I mean, they're not They're You're almost preventing that from ever happening and- from crafting it to even a higher degree. Imagine 10 years now how, added to the time that we've ever had, well, already like, had as a grouping and imagine what the quality and directions and the exploratory discoveries research that this community could do 
going forward, it could change the world. could have an impact like that. It really could. Because yeah. there are talents from all over America and then some who we have kind of congregated here. We should not be rushing to re-regulate. No. I mean, like states like Colorado, the universities in Colorado are just starting to do legitimate research on cannabis. Mm-hmm. We should not be in a rush to re-regulate anything until we have hard scientific data yeah. about some of these things. You know, is vaping distillate safe? Well, nobody really knows. Well, let's not, you know, do anything with that till we find out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it just seems to be the trend is, you know, regulate and then well, we'll figure it out. I want to I wanna talk about regulations. I want to speak of something else. Uh, kind of pointing out more of the hypocrisies between the alcohol and the cannabis industry and um, something that CCM also pointed out. And it was about the caregiver. Uh, basically, it was in page five from the new draft rule, and it was a, it was saying how basically to work in the cannabis industry to be a caregiver, twenty one years of age, kind of has been the rule, but it never has been addressed. That I I believe even you could become a barback at eighteen or nineteen under supervision. There's like you, there's a lot of other things that you can do. You can work around hazardous equipment at like sixteen. You know, and all this stuff. So, and then with cannabis, even now, think about it. That they want you to put it on all these cameras, all this other safety protocol to make sure nothing else is going wrong. But yet, at the same time, you can't hire a legal adult. Right. It what makes is, no sense because our program is eighteen plus. Yeah. It does, and, and and the same rules that would almost apply to the alcohol industry have it because alcohol industry is twenty one plus. They're giving us stricter rules, even though we're eighteen plus. Yeah. For consumption, it, it's yeah. like it doesn't. It's flabbergasting to me how it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I do think the working the working age for the cannabis industry should be eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not it's a it's one of those fights where we have enough pe- employable people that are twenty one plus. It's kind of like we yeah. have to put our effort where it really matters. 100%. So mm-hmm. you know, but if somebody were to take up that argument, I would support it. Mm-hmm. You know, reducing that age. But I, I think it just goes like to say to just speak to like how crazy some of these rules are. And I agree. I don't think it's something to fight about. I think there's a lot of better battles to pick. Hey, I might be a little dated on this, but you might know or or be able to refer. When uh, a caregiver uh, takes on an assistant or an employee, it still takes 30 days to pretty much get the paperwork. It's about two weeks right now. It's about, oh, so it's really gone down to about two weeks. The OMP actually with the 2018 changes, they Mm -hmm. only have 30 days to process your application. If you mail the OMP an application and it's not processed in 30 days, you can move forward operating as if you have an active license. Oh, you can. You can. Same okay. thing. Same thing with renewals. So, you know, anyone listening, make sure you get those out 30 days in advance because if they don't get it back to you, you can continue to operate. Okay. All right. Good. Good. So it should it should always be in under 30 days. But I do recall, you know, years back, people were waiting up to like six weeks to get. It had been at one time. Was yeah, it? Yeah. A while. In, in my experience recently, it's about two three weeks. That's not a bad turnover. No, still makes good. it hard for hiring if you think about. Oh, it, it does. We had to, you know, we terminated somebody from from our South Portland dispensary recently for theft. Um, we weren't planning to not have that employee working those shifts, and so I, you know, we sent in, we hired someone, sent their paperwork in, and then I called the OMP and was like, "Hey, can you guys process this right away?" Because you know, I told them what happened. Kind of needed in a hurry, if ex- possible. And they were like, "Actually, we just opened it. You know, we're doing it right now." And this was like. You know, only a few days later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, all right, great. So it sounds like we're going to have it next week anyway. Well, that's good then that they have fixed that. Cause that, and I understand it. No hard feelings or ill will towards anyone starting out. It's understandably slow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Nikki and Ginger, who are still with oh, no, the they are awesome. And yeah. they've been rock stars since they started their, you know, 
five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, they so. got thrust into a situation that nobody knew what was really going, what was going to be the protocol, what were the things that were essential to, to for everybody to understand and know. And they were that lifeline between both parties oftentimes. Well, and instead of the money staying in the program, all the surplus money in the MMMP program always gets harvested by the state of Maine to use elsewhere. And so, you know, they probably could have hired Are we more. privy to that information where it gets uh, allocated? Um, Does that come out? I bet Dawson could tell you. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, he I was, think so he too. Was actually, You're right. <laughs> no, I remember him. He certainly could. He was talking about it and he was saying how, he, I think he was filing a FOIA or something, a freedom of information to try, or he was saying he wanted to, to see exactly where it was allocated because he believed there was some dipping going in to make, to make up for some other stuff and- he was. He explained it in one of the podcasts that we did back in the day, but mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever went through with it because the first or the second one, Evan. The first or the I think it was a live one that we did. Okay. Well, just uh, you know, caregiver registrations and dispensary registration fees is almost four million dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. You know, and for a while it was three people working in the the uh, MMMP <laughs> office. So you know, there was always these surpluses, and it was like, where did it go? Why can't we have five people working in the office, or mm-hmm. you know? 10 people, you know? Yeah, really gear up like, for it. Right. You know, let's get this stuff processed, get some inspectors. You know, if you think everybody's so non-compliant, why did it take eight years to have any inspectors? I, I got my caregiver license in 2012. Yep. My first inspection was April, 2020. So I went eight years of operating with no inspection. So if you're so concerned, yeah, probably never got seen at all. No, if, if, and if you're so sure that people are non-compliant, it took, it took eight years for me to have my, you know, and I know some people over the years got tons of inspections. Yeah, I know yeah. Da- Dawson's one of those people. And, you know, I think maybe people closer to Augusta were easier to inspect. So me down in Saco, you know, maybe they just never made it down that way. I've heard stories of some saying they got it almost weekly or biweekly. And, may, and you know, it might've been at, uh, to some degree too. It could have been proximity. It could have been also... If they were willing to get, like, I'm hoping, knowing them now, I think they were willing and understanding and working with them. So if you become like that information too in what you're returning to them, especially when they first started, they 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 didn't know what they were doing either. They wanted to know how like layouts were. Not all of them, so, but there were a couple that well, were Well, and until 2018, but. it was a complaint-based system. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't have a complaint against you by a neighbor or the municipality or somebody, they aren't going to come inspect you. Okay. So that was a big part of it. And then they changed it. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it switched to annual uh, a couple of years ago. So I actually like it. I was so happy when they're like, we're coming to inspect. I'm like, sweet. I've always wanted to know, you know, because you you lose sleep at night. So what was it like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a time when you did, right? Oh, it was. was Because you've heard about it. You've heard, oh, there was no heads up. Right. Because like when Dawson opened his first store, I mean, they were up his ass you know, every month, you know, yeah. they're in there inspecting and that's what I'm hearing about, but then they're not coming to me and I'm like, when's it going to be my turn, uh-huh. you know? And so, because I've got a lot of, you know. Well, knowing Dawson and like we do now, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a regular. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he loved him. Fortunately, because I'm involved in the industry, I got a lot of information about what inspections were like prior to my inspection. So yeah. we're beyond the fact that we do pride ourselves on being compliant uh, we were just prepared for what they were going to be looking for. We knew, you know, employee files were important to them. So I had all my employee files for each location just sitting right there when they came. Um, you know, things of that nature. The fact, you know, they want to see your transaction history. Well, we've got all that saved in our point of sale system, you know, that's a cannabis system. So it's very, you know, 
mm-hmm. user friendly for for an inspector. So when they see when they came in, they see everything being done the right way. It was real quick and easy. Yeah. I think we were missing a food establishment license that I was unaware we had to have because we have a commercial food processing license for our kitchen, but then you also have to have a food establishment license for your dispensary to sell the edibles. Sell out of that location. Exactly. Oh, real was. quick switch up. Okay, what gotcha. is it? What is your edible brand? I've been seeing a lot of it. It's they, they treats. Have, like, treats. And they, they came up, they had like the pop tarts they were doing and Ye- stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we've recently, my wife runs it. Um, she used to make all the edibles, but as we grew, she had to hire help. Um, she hired a couple of pastry chefs and they actually worked up from a really nice restaurant in Portland. So they came in and they, they were able to learn our existing recipes really quickly. And now, you know, every week they're like whipping up all these crazy things and as our, they can now, it's not only about keeping up, it's about creating more. Exactly. Oh, good for them. Exactly. And so it's like all these new chocolate bar flavors and, you know, the pop tarts. And this week she did cosmic brownies, like the little ones you buy at the gas station with like. Um, so she made a homemade version of those and we, we do this fresh bake thing that we've done for, since we opened in Saco, mm-hmm. uh, where every Tuesday we drop a bunch of fresh baked edibles. And if you spend a hundred dollars, they're free. Uh, they're always like 20 to 40 milligrams. And that's where they're always like playing around with the pop tarts and brownies and the freshness of that. Oh man, that's great. Are you guys doing non-medicated? As well? No. No, um, not going to get in there? I don't know. Like, w- my operations manager, yeah, I went to college with him, and um, we smoked all through college together, but a few years ago, he quit smoking just, like, from, you know, anxiety and different stuff, and um, he's always saying that, like, can you guys ever make something without weed in it so I can have some? There are, it sounds to me like uh, some really good creations, of flavors, sweets being built. I mean, you, you got to be loving it. Do you, yeah. do you eat edibles? I do. I'm taking a little break right now because I'm a massive liability, <laughs> like, after I uh, eat edibles. With like, edibles? On yeah, edibles? Yeah. yeah, like I eat an edible and then I eat 20,000 calories worth of snacks out of my kitchen afterwards. So just trying to get back in shape. But <laughs> Yeah, right, right. No, down, not right down. Evan, can you relate? Um, well, so I haven't been eating edibles just because of, I don't know. I had something wrong with my stomach and that's the same reason why I stopped drinking. I really just tried to start eating a little bit healthier because I'm like a, I consider myself to be a big, like main foodie. Like I'm not like international or anything like that. Like I don't travel to go eat, you know, or anything, but like I try to try different food and like that took priority over drinking or be able to eat edibles for me. Cause I really enjoy doing that. And so when it came down to like having to pick a vice of like, okay, do I want to be able to eat like spicy, you know, Southeast Asian food once in a while, or do I want to be able to eat edibles and drink sours? I was like, ah, I want to be able to eat food. So I kind of had to pick one. So I haven't been doing many edibles, but I really like them. I thought it was, I like the high you get from edibles. I thought it was a good switch up. Like for me, I always go with like a dab phase, like flour and then switch it up to edibles. But now it's just between the two, but so oh, yeah, they would definitely give me too many munch, edibles around you right ass. now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the same. Like I switch it up a lot too. You know, I'll do d- dabs for a while, blunts for a while, joints for a while, you know, just kind of mix it all up. Right. So. Yeah. Yep. How, how is it uh, going? Uh, House of Hash down in, in, um, South Portland. Amazing. Yeah. Um, right. Since we opened, you know, we, we spent Love the concept from the get go. Loved it. Uh, Evan was raving about that from the get go. I was like, I, I was debating on waiting in line and I don't know what stopped me, but there was a viable reason why I didn't wait in line for a black card. Maybe it was because I was like, maybe I can, you know, like uh, weasel my way into one when he comes on the <laughs> you, podcast. You can, you, you can. Know? I, I had a few extra printed. Uh, oh, top, top secret. Yeah. So I'll go. take care of you guys. Okay, uh, sweet. I'll put some in the mail for oh you. Oh my God. That's awesome. Um, yeah. That, you but know, that's having fun. We are exactly. Yeah. And that's what I don't like about the overregulation thing. Like half of what we did that day, 90% of what we did that day would be unallowable with the adult use rules, you know, and 
And that was so good for the patient. Like that is like, that's like almost what like they want. You know, they want it to seem like a normal business where you're getting a, a car, but they want it to be a local main twist too at the same time. And like, yeah, you're right. That's just not something you could have done with these, with no, these new regulations. No, and we didn't do anything, you know, crazy or unsafe. Yeah, or, right. You know, How? anybody who got cannabis product was a patient and, you know, it was like, we were able to build a lot of hype that way. And yeah. I'm sorry if like acreage holdings doesn't know how to build hype. Like that's not my problem, you know? No. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and it's not like we went out and spent a crazy amount of money on marketing to do it. It was like, we knew how to do the marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, we spent some money on weed maps and we did some banner ads and sure. we spent mm -hmm. some money on the radio, yeah. but like, those are expected ones too. Those are, those are kind of, if you're going to do something, that's where you should be hitting. You hit all the necessary spots and yeah. you played it and we're great. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. You know, it was like a really <laughs> nice thing for our team to have worked so hard over the years and sacrificed with like personal schedules and everything to just have a nice success like that was really, was really just nice for our team. Yeah. How many, um, how many brands are, are, have you guys, you've been all inclusive with this. Yeah, we really Who does that part. Who looks for the hash? Uh, so I'm really the curator. Um, so I do a lot of the buying really, yep. um, all of the buying and deciding of what goes on the shelf, uh, is ultimately my decision. Do you take a lot of pride in that? I do. Yeah, I do. And, and especially internally, because we have discussions a lot, you know, about that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know, this is, you know, this is important to me. Um, you know, that our products are the right, that the products we buy complement what we already have, that the prices are right, that the quality is right, that we have just the right selection. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and, and as far as branding goes, um, I will throw a shout out uh, to uh, Colton, who's our VP of branding and retail, one of my best friends from college. He started out running one of our XL smoke shop locations, and then he moved over to kind of running XL and doing the branding for our, for Bridget. Um, he and I work really closely together, but, um, you know, I've got a lot of ideas, but he's the one that executes them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so like all of our packaging, our apparel, um, just all that stuff is him and he just absolutely crushes it. He's done a great job of it. Yeah. Well. Shared visions <clears throat> when you have people who can work together and it's kind of a shared vision of where it's going and it turns out that way. You don't have to necessarily be the one to do it, but you're helping to orchestrate it. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And our offices are like, that's you what know, we feel like we get going here. That's why we like it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> is, no, that, is, awesome. that what you, is that what you think what's going on here? Well, that's what I think. What so, uh, <laughs> I, I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like busy too. I just had to sneak in that comment. I'm busy looking at this treats page. I'm like, damn, the jar cake, which I remember seeing such a cool idea too. But yeah, no, you guys are really that th those edibles, a 40 milligram peanut butter Oreo cheesecake. I'm like, damn, got to get my stomach in shape so I can try some of these. Yeah, definitely. You got to come on a Tuesday uh, <laughs> or, or let me know so I can save you one. I was like, what the hell's so special about Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, some of them don't last. They, a couple of weeks ago, they did, you know, those. Oh, do you do Tuesday drops? Is yeah. that the idea? Yeah, oh, in okay. our Saco mm -hmm. store with the fresh stuff. Yeah. Nice. And we are actually trying to expand that. We want to pick up a few other stores that aren't near our existing ones um, with existing relationships. We have so maybe like hive green truck, mm -hmm. maybe cure up here. Cure. And, yeah. That'd be a great spot for y'all. Yeah. And just kind of get the fresh bake thing out to a few other places. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe they run the promo the same way where, you know, if you get a hundred dollars spent, then you get it for free and you know, it won't cost them a ton of money from us. And just to really like blast it out there and have more fun with it. Is, no, they're big into like, they're big foodies too. They're like part of my reason why I eat so much because I hang out with them and we always try someplace new. But yeah, they're totally into that. And I, I like that adaption of like, 
like you talked about, like that fresh baked feel, like it's dropped off, get it hot while it's ready. You know, it kind of normalizes the whole industry in an industry that's definitely not normal. Obviously, you know, we've, we're really coming out of like a prohibition era, if you think about it. So there's the same people that really look negatively at alcohol when prohibition first. And they're the same type of people that are looking negatively about marijuana. It's going to take years. And, you know, and with the new rules, I mean, that whole thing goes away. You know, you can't give anything away. So that there's that. Uh, you can't have something unpackaged, which these are, you know, because they're fresh. We're just are they set in pricing, too. Like and to a certain degree, like nothing could be uh, discounted or has you, to be you can't of, like, discount it, but you could technically lower the price. Mm-hmm. So, so wait, what does that mean? You can't offer discounts? Correct. What? Yeah. So that has to be that. Like that is so. On that's so many really different angles, are attacking go, so many different things about. Oh my god! Well, like fundamentally, why why can't it. you tell a business that they can't discount their own products? Like that is absolutely that, crazy to me. That's like an archaic alcohol rule. Yeah. With like the no giving stuff away for free and no discounts. Sure. But. You know, they all, if alcohol. only enforced, is it a violation? Is that what it really kind of comes down to a little in bit? Adult use, are they going to take notice of it? I would imagine. Yeah. In a, you know, because in adult use, they are, you know, things, things like seaweed in the logo, you know, they're starting to micromanage these things a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, like cupcake cannabis and, you know, hive, you know, they yeah, both the have ongoing with the vehicles, the vinyl wrap vehicles, you know, Bobby fortunately is, is uh, involved in kind of the vinyl business. Mm-hmm. So he re- rewrapped his vehicle. At, at, you know, with Hive um, to just take his logos off it. But I mean, that's a pretty expensive endeavor for somebody who just invested to have their vehicle wrapped. Oh, you know, sure. Right? It's like, you know. And having been told or, or not told anything that you couldn't prior prior to that point. When, but then the Bud Light truck comes it. rolling down the road. You know, I think one just went by actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I, it is, it, it's really friggin' crazy. Um, I want to get back to the, oh, I wanted to get back to the hash. Yeah, but uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. It, we, I didn't want to digress. You, you get to set the whole menu, yep. so you've got to go beyond your palate only, too, right? Definitely. Yeah, um, and even like, what is your palate, by the way, on the hash, or is it everything? Because it's I'm everything. A, I like gas. You like uh, the gas? I'm not a big fruit guy. Right. Um, certain ones do it for me. Uh, you know, like Royal Rivers, Straw Nana. Because mm. it's like gassy and fruity at the same time, if yeah. that makes sense. No, it <laughs> does. Straw Nana is kind of weird like that. I always thought I wasn't going to like it. And- There's so many cuts of it out there, too. And that's like one thing I love about cannabis. Like, because we don't share our cuts with anyone and we don't take cuts with anyone mm-hmm. or from anybody. So, like, our stuff's our stuff. We popped it from seed. You know, that's one of the things we pride ourselves on from our flower. How long have uh, you been um, in that? in that type of mode in, in that process. Has it been many years? Yeah. Since 2012, like, since 2012, popped, since the beginning you yes, were popping. Yes. It was always that. thousands and thousands of seeds. And you know, I've lost a lot of money from doing that. Uh-huh. Of, you know, it's a big headache. You know, my, my lead cultivator and my operations manager are always up my ass. Like we got to eliminate phenos. We got, you know, and so poor and me, a lot of sample smoking <laughs> that's got to be done. <laughs> poor me. <laughs> well, it sounds to me like uh, you were wanting to pop a lot of these all the time. Every continually. month. Continually. Yeah. Yep. And yep. so, but as far as it goes for regularity of what you're bringing in, depending, you got to be able to, um, did you, were you able to spend time or in the early years, like allowing them a couple maturities before being put into the rotation. Yeah, totally. Totally. We do that now too. Like all of our new stuff has grown out uh, as testers there. The plants are smaller. 
Um, and we don't have them in our normal production space. Mm -hmm. So that way, cause you know, you have a lot of issues with hermaphroditing. Yeah. You right. Might, you might have issues with like resistance to mold or mildew where, you know, all the rest of your plants are healthy, but a couple of phenos of this one seed pack just are just covered in mildew or something. Yeah. Um, and you, so if you do that in your production rooms, you know, it's a lot of risk there. Mm -hmm. no, so, yeah. so we've gotten away from that and that's helped a lot, but what sucks is we do this, you know, new strain, pure Michigan, for example, like mm. absolutely a hit. And we grew enough of it in testing that we were able to release a little bit, a little bit of it at retail and people just went nuts for it. But now we're not going to, you know, it takes us six to nine months to have that in stock, you know, in a meaningful way after that. So it's like, ah, uh, you know, um, are you going to grow some and strictly for hash? Oh, or do you we, already? We do, yeah. You know, we have some <laughs> stuff that that are you know kind of known hash strains, and I've lost a lot of money uh, washing <laughs> finding flour. out which ones <laughs> those were. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and I've tried to dial in like test washing <laughs> methods and stuff. But um, so you guys wash in house? We do. Yeah, nice. it's not like a it, it's not like a a really key part of our business. I do it because I you know it makes sense. It does, and it's yeah. tough too because the margins are really tight. Like if you have a low yield. You're, you might already be losing money. Mm -hmm. And then if you also paid somebody to do it, you know. Right. You're no, gonna, you're right. Yeah, that on top of that. But I always saw, and and I think with you, you guys fit the concept too, and it would be cool if you had someone that was just like, we'll wash anything, you know, where like, and, and, and if you had a consumer base, like, and this is where we get into like the VIP club thing. Like, can you imagine if you had like a club or something or like a social hangout or an area where you could wash anything and people, you know that you have people that will pay the fair price. Basically saying if the pound is $2,000 and you washed a pound, you only got a certain amount of grams, you're dividing that up and you're charging them based on that. So you're still getting kind of like your, obviously it wouldn't be 2000 because you'd probably want to gear it towards more retail, but you get the whole idea is that there's like an even breakdown of you're always making the same amount of money that you would make if you were selling it in flower form. Now it would take the incentive away from a grower, but it also would be like a cool community thing because it doesn't really take money off the plate. It actually gives them incentive to wash strains that wouldn't you know, produce normally a lot, but I guess it would take away to wash your GMOs because, you know, you're just killing it on the numbers with that. Yeah. I mean, I've had some that are just so bad. It would, you know, it almost doesn't make sense. You only you remember know? the bad ones. Oh, I, I, <laughs> no, I've, yeah. Yeah. What's uh, the worst yield? Are you willing to say like in a hundred percent? I was just about to tell you. So I washed a couple pounds of uh, mimosa fresh frozen, you know, a couple pounds dry. So it was like eight or nine pounds frozen. Uh, and I, I had under two grams of finished rosin when I was all set and done. Oh yeah, that hurts. Uh, I'm I'll hit you with another one too. Uh, our false teeth, which is, you know, we won like main cannabis awards in 2017, best flower. Literally Re just saw someone post on IG about them smoking it. No, oh, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, and it's one of those, it's like, it tastes good till the final puff of a joint, you know, mm -hmm. it's just really nice. So oh, yeah, through and through. Yeah. So same thing, you know, I washed like eight mm -hmm. to 10 fresh frozen pounds, ended up with 10 grams of rosin. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and that, so I also, I had split, like I froze a couple plants. So the other plant we put through beauty, through our, la our hydrocarbon lab, Bridget lab, uh, and I got 177 grams of live resin. Wow. So it was like, obviously we need to use butane when we extract this plant. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's just, it's just like, you know. Oh yeah. There's no given in the one or the other, is there? Right. Um, like as far as if it performs well on a BHO level, it, so it, you just it might not necessarily perform uh, higher or it, there's no indicator to tell you how it's going to be on a hash level. On right? hash, you could do test washing. So what a lot of people will do is they'll take a jar with ice and water, a put the same jar. amount of ice water oh, and material in recently. each jar. Yeah. You shake it up and then you just kind of analyze it with a flashlight and you're just like visually looking at how many heads separated. Because mm -hmm. you, you have so many issues, you know, 
resin heads are different sizes. There's different types of resin heads and stocks. The amount of wax cuticle that's built up on the outside of the resin head is different thicknesses. So some people will say if you let your, your weed get too mature, that wax builds up too thick and then the heads don't want to break off the material. So, you know, hash makers that are successful have all their little, you know, I, I, t I chat with them and everyone's got like these little different things they're looking for, you now, know. Do you smoke that to the head? The stuff that yields like shit, do you do it just to like cure the soul? Yeah, like this is this is my five thousand dollar gram <laughs> exactly. of rosin. You know, to be Ain't honest, nobody with you, gonna know. Right. In both of those scenarios, the rosin wasn't awesome either. Oh, like, yeah. It wasn't like right. it was like the most fire gram yeah, in the world. Like, it's like green, you know. I'm oh like, no. Yeah, okay, so horrible. would it be tempting if it was? Yeah. Like the true, yeah, true, like, like oh my god, off. you gotta yeah. be there's nothing like this out there. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's what I was gonna say earlier. Now I'm I'm backtracking a little bit. So House of Hash could have never existed 2018. Pre-2018, no. No, not, not one bit. Not at all. I remember could, we were working over it since me and we got our first like a uh, half ounce of hash. And I think we sat on that and it was some good stuff. We ended up sat, sitting on it for the longest time because the market didn't know about hash, really, to speak of. It was like this slow introduction into stores. And I think part of the turnoff um, initially was going to be uh, price point because it was an unknown to the street market. Yep. And that's where, where the market had been prior to, a little bit more before stores were up. I mean, it, it was dealers. It was the street yep. where you your connect, whoever it was, uh, or or through caregivers. You know, Even if your connect was a caregiver, it yeah. was kind of on the street. Like your caregiver pulled up to your house. Yeah. Hash yeah. rosin is like- So the, hash wasn't is, there. Hash rosin that, that is Don Julio 1942. It's like one of those things you never thought you needed, but once you try it, you're never going back to the basics of it. And that's like the sad truth. I was the same way. I used to smoke like shatter and some poop soup. And now- like, I only smoke hash. I don't know why. It's just weird. You know, call me what you want to. But I just, I don't like hydrocarbon. It took it forever in Saco. I mean, it, I say forever. It, you know, it was probably six or nine months to get the market adjusted to rosin. Mm -hmm. You know, people were coming in. And we, uh, when we first started testing our, our new closed loop in the lab, we had run a bunch of material through with no filtration of any kind and just a bunch of mixed stuff. It was really kind of brown. There's nothing wrong with it. It was safe, but... Mm -hmm. You know, we were selling it for 15 bucks a gram because we just wanted to get rid of it. And people yep. loved it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why? You know, like, uh. I, I don't care how cheap, you know, to me, it's like, I don't care how cheap it is. Like, I just want to smoke something that tastes good. And, mm -hmm. you know, but some people don't have that mentality. The same people that buy Bud Light or even, you know, Natty Light or something. It's about getting drunk or getting high. It's not about the taste, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it took a little while. But, you know, you build up that clientele over time. And like you said, once some people try that, like, 70 to $90 gram of rosin, and they're like, wow. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so. it changes everything for them. changes everything. Mm, that, those, uh, there were, you have a lot of brands in there. I, I, did we say a number? Did you say a number on there? The sort of like give or take. I'm sure you're playing with a lot of people with uh, probably about twenty. I, probably about twenty, roughly. Yeah. Um, you know, we always we try to do a big drop once a month, so we're gonna have one next week. Yeah. Um, we always try to bring in new companies every time. You know, uh, certain companies we got more flavors than others, and sometimes that's dependent on how much they make. You know, Mega Raw. A lot of times we'll have a dozen or so flavors from him. But he's really, you know, because he washes a lot of material for various people, um, you know, he's usually got a lot of different options on hand, whereas a lot of these single source in-house guys only are going to have a few strains. What's out of their garden? Are you yeah. going to try to get Suds and Buds single source, uh, the, his harvest that just came down? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He and I were chatting about uh, doing some hash rods and capsules of his. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm totally open. And even some guys I've never heard of before, 
you know, I'm, I'm open to it. You know, I'll kind of try anything once. And yep. if the customers respond well and, you know, I, I never like to be, you know, tell companies, Hey, if you want to get yourself in the store, drop a sample off. Cause I'm not, I don't like to be that kind of guy. Right. And, uh, but I will say, so cure had their grapes and cream washed by Hutton Hetty Teddy and they yep. like hit me up and I was busy and I didn't get back to them. And they stopped by with a sample and then I tried it. I was like, holy shit, like give me all I can have. Like that, right. it's, it, it was a good, it was good. Insane. Yeah, I had I some of their dosido too and, and Cure has done a really good job about trying to be on the forefront of innovation as far as like strains. John goes out to California, tries to scope things out. Like what's hot there? Because obviously the market mimics here. He came back with like the grapes and cream, the dosido. He has a Descotti. I know that he's going to get washed. I'm really pumped to see some of that and happy for him too because i know it was it was a big toss-up he was a little nervous there at first if it was going to pay off yeah, yeah exactly and and uh the yeah i mean honestly i would say that grapes and cream is like possibly the best rosin i've ever smoked i, I love it oh, too. wow I'm a big fan. It, it, it's because it's the well it's right up your alley super gassy just a little bit of fruity uh -huh. like oh you just smell it when you crack the jar but i mean i've got a half a gram still in my fridge like you know, because we sold out of that quick, you know. Mm -hmm. he they did me, too. I was like, oh, my God. He hit me up today uh, to be like, hey, I'm going to have more. What do you want? I'm like, anything you're going to give me. Like, how much can I have? You know, yeah. and he's like, I think we're just going to drop it in your stores and ours. And, you know, so that's, I was like. That's nice. That's a good relationship. It's also different markets. It really helps. Exactly. You know, and, and we love that. You yeah. know, we work very closely with, with a lot of companies, some that are closer to, to than others. And, you know, it's really easy when you're like-minded. And, you know, I'm, I'm in Maine Growers Alliance with a lot of these guys. Guys, mm -hmm. you know cure and hive and green truck and yeah. so you know we're all doing business together and yep. it's great for all of our businesses because we all have these differing product lines everybody grows different flower um so it's really you know it's really nice community we have and that's that's why I like these new rule type things that are coming up like that threaten that or you know yeah, you want to speak on um craig hickman is it not uh representation or he's going going into you want to speak I, on that I behalf would, i would love to um Prior to a few weeks ago, I wasn't super well versed on who Craig Hickman was as an individual. Well, no, and I'm catching up, so that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I, I had heard the name because he he has been very instrumental uh, in protecting cannabis in Maine. He's actually a big agriculture guy. Uh, he was a founding member of the Maine Craft Cannabis Association. Uh, he's been... Uh, known to really rally uh, other legislators, you know, maybe people that are on the fence or, you know, need to be educated. He's been a really big resource for medical cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, definitely the biggest ally that we have in the Senate. Okay. And what happened uh, is the Secretary of State selection created a vacancy in a Senate seat that he's now running for. So that's why the election's in March. And that's why we're, ha you know, we're rallying for campaign contributions and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, contributions are capped at $400 for individuals and businesses. So if you're, you know, own multiple businesses or, you know, you could donate as an individual and a business, if you have the resources to donate that much, but really just even like five or $10 for, for a patient who cares, who wants to see this program, you know, stay intact then definitely, you know, is he, is he running not that it would matter one way or the other but is he running as a republican or, or a democrat he's a democrat he's a democrat uh, he is um i've never donated to a democrat before i've I never donated first time to, for everything yeah exactly <laughs> I, I, i've not made a lot of political donations no. in my lifetime right. period um but i think people have to de detach their personal politics from this issue mm -hmm. um because there may be some things he stands for that you don't agree with but his track record around cannabis is plenty enough for him to get my vote uh, it's been the, it's been the same way in Saco. Uh, Justin Chenette, 
Uh, he's also a Democrat. Uh, he was in the House of Representatives, then a senator. I actually went to high school with him. Um, and he was always just somebody who, you know, I would email him, I'd hear back from him the same day. And he was always just a good resource. You know, he, he would hear me out, yep. you know, and he was somebody who was for doing what was right um, versus, uh, you know, <laughs> a lo what a lobbyist wanted or, yep. or whatever. So I, you know, I always really try to encourage people like set your personal politics aside and, mm -hmm. you know, really try to focus. If the idea is to save medical, you might be a Republican, you might be a libertarian, whatever. It's okay to donate to a Democrat. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think no, in the same, the way. same goes the other way. Someone, I, I'm not going to say who they hit up our Instagram and I just want to read a little of the conversation just to show it to, uh, Hey, is rep Kathleen Dillingham a friend of medical marijuana? And I said at this time, we're not sure. However, we're extending an olive branch to sit down and talk with her with growers or sitting down to talk with growers is a good start. We're excited to see her views after she has a chance to meet with these farmers slash cultivators. And the person said, okay, I saw a post to email her. I saw a post to email her our thoughts on the proposed rule changes, then saw she was a Republican. And well, lately they don't seem to be the best folks out there. So obviously letting personal politics creep in. I, I, we responded and I think it was a good way to look at it. As I said, I think politics have a lot of people playing sides. At the end of the day, we're all Mainers. We're going to give her respect and hope she returns it. And I think, you know, we can't use Washington as a basis for how we operate in Maine. Because if you're really from Maine or like Maine, you realize that that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, Republican from Maine, for the most part, uh, in a local Maine branch of government is not going to be acting like a Republican in Washington. There's just two different levels to it. So I think um, you're right. Personal politics need to be put to a side on this. Just need to come together and realize who's really for it, who's not, and try to let all the bipartisan bullshit just uh, or partisan bullshit be partisan bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, partisan politics are just ripping our country apart. Yeah. You know, and. I'm really like a centrist and, you yeah. know, I'm kind of sitting here in the middle, like, wow, <laughs> all you guys are crazy. Uh, you know, and I think if you got like a hundred people in a room together, like most people would agree on, yep. you know, 90% of people would agree on like most of the topics, you know, yeah, it's, but like, the most part, yeah. it's only when you get ultra divisive on, on stuff, you know, and no, and it's an easy thing to have happen. It, it triggers with, uh, there's a good deal of people who are dealing with, uh, Politics is a venting, a source of venting out too. Sometimes, you know, yeah. and, and it can be that way, and it can be a little bit more destructive for an individual if you pay too much. You have to pay attention to what matters to you, um, and I think in this point in time, we're we're eyeing what's happening here in Maine a lot more. It has a greater concern in what's going to happen in the next three to five years in our lives. Yeah, so. absolutely. This stuff hits very close to home when it like changes the way you do business day to day. Mm -hmm. So it's like. That makes me pay more attention. I find myself having more conversations than I'd like to about politics because of, you know, being involved with state politics. It, you know, it opens your eyes a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, there's somebody who uh, we're going to be speaking to, uh, Chad Green. Oh, Green, I'm sorry. He's, uh, he's in the Senate. He's a Republican. Okay. And uh, he's agreed to come on to the show sometime in the very near future. Mm -hmm. So we're just setting something. Chad uh, Green, Grenon, Athens. So Chad Athens. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, is he a known opponent or? He's not an opponent. He's a supporter of, and okay. he feels like he's, he's working on trying to create uh, more of a dialogue up there, an awareness of what's going on in the industry. And he feels as though he said he felt uh, as though the uh, Democrats weren't necessarily wanting to participate. So it's good to hear that there are, are, um, you know, he, maybe that was a generalization. Maybe it was more like in, in, you know, in the grouping, they need to be able to come together if we're going to get anywhere as well. So we have to be supportive of this, 
To um, be honest, I don't think it matters what side of the aisle they sit on. Mm-hmm. Um, they're typically only interested in things that, that are interesting to their either pocket or, or gaining them political capital. You know, what interests a politician isn't necessarily what, you know, should interest them. Mm-hmm. Like a $266 million industry in a state like Maine, where we have the 49th or 50th worst economy in the country, you know, that should be interesting to every politician. No, it should. Uh, you know, You're right. so, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it shouldn't matter what side of the aisle you sit on. And, and certainly a lot more of these Democrat, you know, politicians in Maine, because we have more of them, mm-hmm. um, they should be interested, you know, and their party is supposed to support, you know, progressing society. So we'll see. We're at yeah. one, a crux moment. Yeah. Do you guys want to take five or, or see? Uh, take a- Good evening out there. This is Carrie with the main podcast. And this is infomercial time. And I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about Hut and Hetty Teddy over there with Canamelts. Hey, did you know, uh, I was just, OMP has put in some new rules. And so that, uh, iconic look that you've always associated with Canamelts done by the late homie Doc Martin, uh, you're not going to be able to see that on packaging anymore. That's, uh, that's kind of BS if you ask me, but let's talk a little bit about uh, Teddy. Um, he rocked over on the podcast. Episode two or three is when we dropped it. Met him a little over a year ago. First time. Dude's dude's awesome. Just really enjoyed talking to him. I mean, uh, we used to play music in the headphones during recordings, and uh, I kind of miss it, but but we had some Hall and Oates rocking in the headphones, and he didn't blink an eye. Dude was loving it just as much as we were. Not really. Um, if you've ever seen his hash, shit's wet. Shit, it just has a different look. I'm not a hash connoisseur. I'm not a uh, hash user. I'm around a lot of people who are. So I get a look at a lot of hash. And uh, that stuff was for real. It smells great. He, he uh, once cooked. He went for some GG4 once. It's in the podcast episode more, but he, uh, he rocked some GG4. I want to say it was close to a six month cure period and, uh, off of the record. Well, it didn't quite all turn out, but please support Ken and and Teddy and, uh, look for him on shelves and great stores next to you. Save, save Maine medical is, uh, rather new on IG. Um, they've been going through a few of the different things that seem significant for them. One of them was the no community events like the mid main sesh or the community bonfire. Um, those would be prevented from here on out. So I have mixed feelings about those type of events. Um, mm-hmm. I will say I love those type of events. I, I really miss like, you know, 2014, like you go to a cannabis cup and, whether it was legal or not, you could buy anything you wanted there. Yeah, you know, right. You know, flour and dabs and hash and seeds. And, you know, it's just a really fun atmosphere. And, you know, it's not like any of that stuff's unsafe. So the fact that it's like against the laws is arbitrary to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing that is unfortunate about those events is there's a lot of black market activity. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of out-of-state people 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that make their living from selling at seshes. And I don't personally have a problem with that. I, you know, make your money. Um, but it does potentially leave a bad mark on our industry. Um, but to say we can't have any sort of social events within cannabis is just insane. Yeah, I know. Kind um, of an over the top like that. That's, yeah. That's went, the wording that, I mean, I'd like to know more about the wording, but if it says something like that. Oh, I went to a community bonfire one time and I was making people fill out uh, designation forms. This is like pre 2018. And people look at me like I had three heads when I was like, yeah, designation form. They're like, what? You know, I'm like, yeah, like you can't buy weed from me if you're not a main patient without, you know, you know, so um, it wasn't really. The <laughs> they event. had no idea what you were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, Nothing. yeah, you know, yeah. So these, that was never a part of the transaction. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Gotcha. But post December 2018, where you didn't need to do that mm-hmm. and you could just check their med card and ID. Yeah, cycle. Right. You know, like I talked to Pat at Zero Gravity. They go to those events all the time and they check cards, you know, they, they sell, they do legal transactions, but they do those events. And he, he said they're really successful. And, you know, so it's cool to see legitimate companies going there and doing it the way you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because probably a lot of those people that are like black market, quote unquote, like they could probably be legal with a little bit of effort. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't like draw the lines and all that. Legal like, isn't attractive for everybody. Yeah. I mean, let's yeah. just say that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean I, I agree with you. I, I would be more concerned about the, the loss of this, uh, the culture that's attached to it as well. That, that's really the thing that I feel is jeopardized more. Well, um, I always say like you, anybody who knows anything about weed came from the black market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. no, it, it would be pretty, uh, uh, you know, pretty judgmental for people who are now legal to pass strong judgment on people that are still black market. Yeah. I think you have to be careful with that. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you're seeing, you know, with like these companies that have gone legit and want to regulate out the little guy because he's not, you know, perfectly compliant like they are, you know, and like that's just, that's not the right way to do it. No, no, that's not. Uh um, uh, let me go to another question or another, another comment here. That was one that was different. Uh, we talked, he talked about, um, cost being, uh, of all cannabis, uh, prices increasing for MMMP patients, uh, due to new financial burdens that would be placed on businesses. Is that really just something to, to accept in a sense that the, the, the price might be a little bit higher? That's something we're going to, as a medical program have to live with, but still, if we can keep it within reason for the consumer, like, is that going to be a constant battle between state and industry? It'll kind of be, it'll depend on how many of these rules they're able to like ram jam through. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the two biggest I see um, are the security requirements and seed to sale tracking just around like cost. Yep. Just because it does take actual man hours uh, to, to do seed to, to sale tracking. To devote to it as part of the process of what you need to do on a day in and day out basis. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, things like checking IDs before somebody walks into your store. Uh, you know, right now in medical, we're allowed to check the ID at the counter. So with these rules, you'd have to check it before the person comes into the store. So that's another employee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and these costs are real costs. So you have to absorb it somewhere. And maybe certain people have enough in their margin. They can absorb it and not change their prices. I think you'll probably see, you, you know, depending on which rules were to go through, you'd see some price increases. If we got rid of, you know, certain things, we could probably avoid seeing price increases. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a little give and take on on some of it. Uh, you think uh, they're, would you be referencing having to pay per uh, strain in a cultivating room? Is that one of the things that maybe could be renegotiated? So I don't, any, at this point, there's been anyway? no change uh, on tax structure for medical. Mm-hmm. So 
there's no like excise tax like there is in adult use. The tax wouldn't be going up like it is in adult use. It's more around just all this compliance stuff. Okay. Um, you know, and like for me, if I have to go put $100,000 into my cultivation facility for new security camera requirements and new security check-in requirements, um, you know, maybe that means an, a gram of weed's a dollar more or an, an eighth of weed is $5 more, you know? Yeah. Um, I would really, if it happens, I, I would aim to keep my prices the same. Yeah. Um, but, you know, not everybody is going to be able to. No, that's true. Yeah, everybody, everybody's business is built a different way, just enough size-wise or how, it, how it's structured how efficient it can be too. Sounds like you, you're, you're planning more in the future. I am. Um, you know, I'm always kind of looking toward the future cause I, you know, I think as a responsible business owner, you have to do that. And, um, you know, life is kind of about living in the present, but kind of being mindful of the future. So that's really, you know, for us, you know, that's the way we've always tried to play it with regard to regulations. We've always looked around at these other States. What are they doing? you know, with their regulations, what could we see happening in Maine? And we've tried to operate at a higher standard than the current regulations. That way, when they do come down the pipe, you know, we're a little bit more prepared for it. And mm -hmm. in some ways, it is a more professional way of managing your business. You know, like we have lab testing on all of our packaging for our, for our flour, and that's not required. Um, it's required that if you put it on there, that it is backed up with a real lab test, but you could just not put it on there at all. So these are just like little things that we've done that these, these new laws will require mm -hmm. um, if, if they're enacted. Uh, but, you know, that, it's just, just an example, yeah. No, I like that. We talk a lot about testing as being a benchmark, that uh, an openness, a transparency by the industry on that side to share that kind of information in the front. It's not needed right now. All the more reason perhaps to do it. And so I applaud you for doing that. Yeah, and, cool. and part of the problem is like, we just don't know enough. Like I was saying before, no, we, don't. You know, we need like, more what research. If there's like standards for mold and mildew, like what should the levels be? They don't mm -hmm. actually know that they're mm -hmm. just guessing, you right. know, when concentrate, when residual solvent testing first became a thing, you know, it was all 500 parts per million. Now most States are 5,000 parts per million. Yep. Um, you know, and it, it, we don't really know, you know, so it makes it tough for like an organic grower who does have some exposure to different molds and mildews and funguses. Cause it's natural are then ha gonna have trouble passing a test where some guy who grows hydroponic in a super clean room, his product might not be as good, but he's able to pass the test and therefore he has stronger market position. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So until they're able to do some real analysis on, on items like that to just force a, like a broad panel test on cannabis is, is not, you know, not uh, the best approach. Could is one of the ways being a little bit more evasive on their behalf and actually getting into and do, doing working partnerships between the state and cultivators to get a better look at what exactly goes into it to understand it more? Is there maybe this misunderstanding about, or, or is it just like it was in uh, Oregon? I think they got reclassified and it became much more difficult for organic growers to pass testing out there as well, I believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 It wouldn't be the so first So it's not place. like, it's just inherent to here like it and the situation's the same did they ever deal with that out in oregon did they ever come up with new regulations i, I don't know directions? what they did to solve that yeah, um oregon, oregon got pretty messy washington you know washington you know doesn't have a medical program anymore no so, just this year right Is uh, it, or, it was, or was it a little bit so, oh. yeah basically they got their adult use program <clears> and then their government kind of did what ours is trying to do and said well you know we don't need 
medical anymore. Like you guys have adult use now. Everybody can buy weed. But in the background, what that it all comes down to taxes. Um, and that's the same thing they're trying to do here. So that's why um, the lobbyists are able to get the the the, uh, the state government on their side is because it's like, well, we want to force everyone to adult use and look at all the tax money. Um, so it's real easy to create that symbiotic relationship between mm -hmm. big cannabis lobbyists and government officials because they're like, hey, if we push everyone into medical, there's all these more taxes that can be paid. Yep. Um, so uh, unfortunately, you know, the deck's stacked against us in that regard. But, you know, I would argue that the medical program is generating, like I said, 10x in taxes what the adult use program <laughs> is. And that's due largely in part to the messy rollout, you know, that they, OMP has got like, something like 40 active licenses you know they had four years to get this together mm. uh, we're now in year five you mm -hmm. know and it's like they're activating a few licenses every week you know there's nothing substantial happening there's no you know yeah, why the why drag the hills on it and well, who why, decide, why are some why are, who decides the pecking order of it too i mean yeah there's a lot of <clears throat> a lot of corruption well and there's some things that you're not seeing in the background too and and why some of these bigger companies have been able to get licensed faster is because they have more resources so um, you know, I know that like OMP is very picky about, you know, the whole security camera thing, which is why it worries me so much that they're copying the exact same language. I thought it was interesting. Eric Gunderson said in his quote that they're not copying the adult use law. They've very much used the copy paste feature in very large swaths. Of I heard that, that echoed. I heard that echoed through a lot of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and so a lot of that stuff, you know, they're saying, oh, we're updating these rules to bring them in line with legislative changes. That's bullshit. There's been no legislative changes. Um, and they've actually way overstepped what they're legally able to do mm -hmm. because they can make minor and technical adjustments to the rules, um, but they're not allowed to make substantial statutory type changes. They don't have that authority. Yeah, right. That needs to be voted on, correct? And many or of those enacted. rules do not align with what's in statute. So like a lot of my, I must have written it a hundred times in my comment is like, you know, this is overburdensome, uh, you know, documentation or regulation requirement, and it's not found in statute. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't just get to start creating as a, as a government office. How valid, how, I mean, will that, can that be steamrolled or with, without any recognition that it's being steamrolled, do you think? Um, they are definitely going with Or has it. enough of attention been drawn to it already? I think it has. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to go the route of rallying up the legislators, the senators, um, primarily to fight this thing. Yep. Um, I've chatted with Dawson about it. I do know there will be a, a lawsuit if for some reason they are able to ram jam it all the way through. Um, the state will get sued. So, mm. um, you know, uh, it's just, you gotta do, we have to play along with the process. So, so what is like, that for someone that's like standing from an activist position, they mm. wanna do something, they've already written an email, they've already called their legislatures, or if they haven't, that's something they should do. You can find that information out in the save. Uh, what is the link, Carrie? Let me pull it up real quick, that way people know for the sure. save. I wanna make sure I give them the right I ID ask them for, first and foremost, keep supporting the main medical program. Yeah, the that's save main medical initiative has some links up that you can donate, I think, directly to like Dawson's cause. Obviously, Bridget Farms uh, with Brett has a pretty good video out that he released. Uh, what was it now? Probably about a week ago or so. Week and a half. Or yep. So. Yeah. That he released that you can listen to. But what else could someone do? When is like the rallying cry? If someone wants to protest, if they want to, you know, what is, when is that going to happen? When are you, when's the final straw? Um, 
it is pretty early right now. I would say in terms of donations, the two that you could make right now um, are Craig Hickman's Senate race campaign, uh, that his elections in March. Yep. Uh, and then also there's a GoFundMe for Maine Cannabis Coalition, uh, on, uh, which is Dawson's group. And they've really laid their mission out in black and white on what their goals are. There's five different bills that they're going to propose this session. Um, plus, they they were the group that sued the state over the residency requirement. So uh, they've kind of proven their track record. You know, when when they say, "Hey, if these rules get jammed all the way through, we are going to sue the state over it." You know, they're going to sue the state. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I donated to to their current. Uh, fundraise. I just auctioned a bunch of baller jars off. I think I'm going to send that money over there as well. And, awesome. um, you know, we're directing our financial efforts through them and Maine Growers Alliance and Maine Craft Cannabis Association. So business owners could feel free to get in touch on what they could do in a more meaningful way. But in terms of just like your patients and everyday activists, definitely the Maine Cannabis Coalition, GoFundMe and Craig Hickman. Yeah, um, those have been the two that I've been knowing about. And I think uh, not diverting too much out there keeping it kind of uh, using them as our resources and our opportunity. You, you guys with the Maine Growers Alliance have been extremely supportive of this movement and this effort on, on for Dawson's as well. It's sort of, it, it's nice to see everybody working together. I mean, it's been a step and, and you're not everybody, the two of you, but you're, you're a grouping of a, a nice representation of, the industry. Right. And you have, you know, MMCM, which mm-hmm. used to be a bigger player. Um, but there's, you know, there's been a lot of changes and stuff, but there's still a lot of people that, that, you know, are involved with MMCM and, you know, Minecraft Cannabis Association is a little bit newer, but they're very, very effective and they're, you know, they're fighting for the right things. And, um, as I alluded to earlier, you know, that first week that the rules came out, you know, I'm just on, on the phone with all these people like, hey, let's make sure at the end of the day we are unified with what we're doing. So we're actually putting together a joint statement to the OMP from all four of those trade groups um, so that we can let them know, hey, this is maybe what the OMP wants or what the lobbyists want, but this is what the industry wants. And that's really a point I try to drive home in my comment was LD 1539 was what we wanted. You know, that was the bill that the industry put forward. That was the bill that we fought for. And that was, you know, mostly MMCM and and Maine Cannabis Coalition Mm -hmm. that got that bill done. Um, And so for the OMP to just come trample on that, you know, and they just, it's so much easier for them to do that. Like it was a lot of work for 1539 to go through. I remember when Dawson first handed me the language of 1539, I was like, you're nuts, dude. That is never going to pass yeah. because it was just, it seemed too good, too good to be true. But it wasn't that it was too good to be, it wasn't too good. It was just too right. You know? And mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way the dispensary lobbyists <laughs> let this through, you know? And I think, you know, the opposition messed up and they've let us too far in the game now. You know, um, we've got some resources now. We're organized now. You know, all these people have stores and everything. And so, like, we can get some money together. Like, Dawson now, you know, he raised that hundred grand to sue the state over the residency requirement. He raised that like overnight, you know, and this new GoFundMe's been going a week, you know, and it's like $70,000. Going solid, going yeah. very solid. Yeah. Are, did Maine jump in in time? Uh, and unite comparative to other states that have uh, maybe had a chance to have a fight before? I, I'm going to say I hope so. Yeah. Um, it feels like it. You know, it feels good. There's certainly yeah. things that are happening that don't feel good. Like, oh, sure. You know, the <laughs> HHS committee to VLA committee thing, you know, because there's not a lot we can do to change that and stop it, you know, and um, kind of mm. it really seems like the OMP is bought and paid for 
by the by the big dispensary lobbyists. I mean, it's it's quite apparent. Um, mm. There's not a lot we can do to change that. You know, no. um, you know, OMP is at the direction of the the governor. So um, she also doesn't have a huge interest in cannabis. You know, it's not nope. Not no, and you know, I it didn't feel I could be wrong. It didn't feel like uh, LePage really had an interest in it either. But he also didn't necessarily quite the do opposite. Actually, to, he did. Yeah, he, he was actually, a supporter. No, 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 uh, no, in opposition. So he wasn't even neutral. He actually said like, "This program's not going to happen on my watch." Mm-hmm. No, and but that, that was almost like one of the best things that could have happened for growth. It felt like, in a Am sense, I right? In a sense, I mean, I think that was some of the motivation with LD fifteen thirty nine was like, hey, this, this adult use thing's taken forever. Like, let's, let's improve medical in lieu of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that, yeah. So, okay, a couple more questions just to round it off real quick. When we hear the term OMP thrown around a lot, can you just describe to me really quickly, what is the OMP? Who is it comprised of? And yeah, that's basically the top two questions going to lead to a third one of how the hell <laughs> yeah. you get rid of the people that that's are That's Eric Gunderson who directs it. Exactly. So the OMP was created as part of the adult use law, uh, the Office of Marijuana Policy. Um, there was There's a lot of fighting uh, in the creation of these laws and rules. Um, to get the lights for you. Yeah. Um, there's a, there was a lot going on and one of the things was well which state agency is going to oversee this program um a lot of us that are in the industry wanted to see the adult use program overseen by the department of agriculture because we felt they were more suited to deal with the cannabis program to deal with cultivation to deal with you know retail of cannabis we didn't think that they would have looked at it as a crop exactly not the department of financial services our administrative and financial services, which just views us as a tax generator, you know? Um, and so that's always been a battle. So uh, the OMP, you know, falls under the DAFS, which, you know, same thing as lottery and beverage and, and alcohol and, you know, all that stuff. And, and so we knew it, we were set up for failure by going under that branch of the government. Those um, usually fall into higher tax brackets too, right? Yeah. Or, or tax higher, I mean. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, so- Much higher? <laughs> Um, and then the, in the, oh, and the MMMP is a separate program. So, um, I don't actually recall how the OMP officially became handling the MMMP, yeah. but technically under the OMP, you have two separate programs, the AUMP, which is the adult use marijuana program and the MMMP, which is the main medical marijuana program. Uh, and they are two distinct separate programs with their own rules and their own licensing, uh, but if it were up to the OMP, they would merge those two pr- programs together. They'd have the exact same rules and, you know, they'd love to put even the tax structure on medical if they could. So, you know, it's about, you know, you just. Do you think they were surprised? The state was surprised about maybe say three years ago, three and a half or four years ago, just how many people, how many businesses were going to want to become involved in cannabis? Do you think they felt that maybe they underestimated? I know towns and cities underestimated the interest in becoming involved in, in medical cannabis. You think maybe the state under underestimated the in, interest? De- definitely like um, when the medical program rules, because Maine's had medical marijuana since 1999, mm-hmm. um, but the rules were rewritten in 2009, and that's what allowed the eight dispensaries, the caregiver program. Right. Um, 
qual- a list of qualifying conditions, you know, that I felt like that kickstarted uh, a lot of people. Exactly. Like that, that was 2009 to 2011 was like the real creation of, of the medical program in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got a little off to the wrong start with that by licensing these big dispensaries. And, you know, so there was obviously some lobbying going on at the they state level. They felt like a trade-off. We'll let you exist, but we have the market. Exactly. So what they, what they envisioned as what a caregiver was in 2009 is not what caregivers were by, you know, 2015, 2016 with like the warehouses Enough and the growth delivery. and development. Yeah, exactly. But you know, when you try, when you try to hold people down artificially, they're going to use every loophole they can to try to operate a real business. And that's really what you saw happen. You know, the whole like rotating patient thing. So you had stores that were open in 2016, 2017, they're technically illegal, but they were using loopholes with the designation forms in order to operate. And, you know, that was kind of brilliant because the state was like, well, we have this problem on our hands anyway. You know, we might as well let caregivers have stores. So um, in some ways we kind of forced their hand on that. And I don't say we, because I didn't have a store prior to it becoming legal, but, sure. um, there were a lot of people who were pushing the envelope yeah, who and, were already there you know, in a general sense. They wanted to know. be first and there was a good, yeah. Good and thank you to all those people, you know, cause they took risks and those mm-hmm. guys were getting inspected a lot. Yeah, um, they were, weren't so, they? That yeah. Windham area got, uh, I got to believe that Windham area got beat on a lot of inspections. A lot of people were down in that area. Um, I think there was a perceived hotbed of what of that uh, Wyndham area, what it could have become uh, from a market point of view. There are pockets like that all through Maine. Like uh, you, you're kind of, there's a good basis of business, cannabis businesses right down in the biz, uh, Biddeford area, Saco area even. Yeah. You know I mean, huge. Uh, Augusta is going to have it. I mean, every key big city uh, or a bigger town for Maine is going to have uh, oh, an Port- opportunity. Portland's going to get wild here pretty quick. Yeah. Because, um, like, you already have a lot in South Portland. And then Portland approved, you know, they had something like 38 applicants. They approved almost all of them. And, you know, fortunately for medical, like, I think all but two were adult use applications. Oh. So. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to see something like over the next couple of years, you're going to see over 30 adult use stores open in Portland. So, um I'm happy to stay medical, you know, they can fight that out and they can, you know, you'll do your thing right where you are. And and that's my kind of thing is like, you know, let me, that's what I've said is like, your program sucks, but you know what you were getting into when you have fought, when you applied for your license. So don't make your problems, our problems, mm-hmm. you know, we, mm-hmm. and, and I said that to the OMP in my comment too. I said, you know, we, me personally, as well as the medical industry, we didn't fight when you were making the adult use rules because we didn't have the resources and we didn't have the resources because our businesses were artificially kept small through the efforts of big dispensary yeah. lobbying. You know, we didn't have extra money to spend on a lobbyist to fight these bullshit adult use rules. You guys just went and created them. Well, guess what? We do have some resources now and we are going to fight you. So yeah, it's glad that I'm glad we have that chance to, I'm yeah. glad it's good. It got big enough that people invested back into their businesses. There were a lot of smart moves, a lot of a lot of really good smart business moves in the cannabis industry in such a short period of time. Hopefully, going forward it, it provides the the wherewithal for for what could possibly always be a battle, but um, we're, we're mainers, you know. So it's like we're like you the know, grit. <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, people have made some good money over the years and everybody's reinvesting it in their business, hiring more people, building new locations. Like you don't see 
you know, there aren't people just out there driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis and like blowing all their cash. Like, no, it's like they built a new store or a new lab or like whatever. And that's how Maine people are. You know, we don't, we live a pretty humble life, you know? And so I think now we're seeing the fruits of that, of, of people just constantly reinvesting into their businesses. And see that community drive or the, that, uh, the immersion, a lot of, uh, when we have the chance to talk to a lot of you guys, it's always community as well. And, and that's apparent from the acts and the goodwill and the, and the nature of it. Um, I'd rather live in a world that has that appeal to it than, than just the ease or the clinical or, or the lack of identity. So we're rooting for you guys the whole way. Hell yeah. Yeah, I love that we're out there pushing each other, you know, and it creates like a good competitive market and it's good for the consumer and it doesn't take over-regulation to achieve that. No, it doesn't. Self-regulation works too. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for coming in this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you guys. Catch it.